Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Ten and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Tuesday edition. Took me a minute. Took me a minute. Tuesday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And I got some big stuff coming up uh, in the next few days or so. So I got a really big show Thursday and Friday. So, guys, make sure you stick around and pay attention to that. I do have a show every single day this week. Uh, Carolina basketball is coming on, but I think it comes on after my show, so I don't have to worry about that. So I will have a show Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So hopefully you guys can join. There's a lot that we're going to get into tonight. And you guys know I generally don't talk a lot of national politics. I'll talk politics, as you well know, but it's usually state or local, uh, you know, county, you know, whether it's city, whatever it is, something in Mecklenburg County or whatever. But I did, I do want to talk a little bit about what transpired last night in Iowa. So I was on with Bo and Beth this morning on Good Morning BT, and they brought in, I was on from 9 to 10, like I am every single Tuesday, and Mick Mulvaney came on. And, you know, Mick Mulvaney obviously knows what he's talking about when it comes to politics, you know, having been with the Trump White House and, you know, and now was on Newsmax. And he said something that I had not thought about, because with me, it's all about the analytics of it all. I, I really like the analytics of things and breaking things down and looking at things going, OK, what has to happen for each candidate to win just from a numerical standpoint? Not talking about, you know, you know, if someone slept with someone else's wife. Like, I'm not talking about that. I mean, just from a straight statistical, analytical standpoint. And Mick said something this morning that I had not thought of. It had never occurred to me. And it seemed to be blatantly obvious once he said it. I went, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. So I want you to hear, because this is relatively important. So I want you to hear what Mick had to say this morning when me, Beth, and Bo were talking to Mick Mulvaney. So what are you thinking here on the day after the first big battle? Yeah, I thought it was a a big win for Trump in a variety of ways. Of course, the top line message is that he got over that 50% that uh, we talked about yesterday on the show. That was critical, sort of puts to bed any sort of murmuring about uh, weakness that he might have. Uh, you might have had that murmuring if he had, you know, won with 42 or 44 percent. So 52 percent, pretty darn good on the top line. 
But I got to tell you, the thing that I'm not hearing much out of folks um, in sort of the chattering class today is how Trump, how pleased Trump must be with the fact that DeSantis finished second. Um, we talked yesterday about how close it would be for second and third, and that if, if DeSantis had come in third, he probably would have had to drop out. Uh, would he overperform? Turns out he did overperform a little bit, not by the 10 or 12 points that Ted Cruz did um, in 2016, but by a couple points and, and snuck into second, whereas polling had him third going into the weekend. What does that mean? Well, it means he's not going away. What does that mean? Well, it means it's a three-way race. What does that mean? That means that Donald Trump uh, will continue to face uh, fractured opposition, um, not so much in New Hampshire, because uh, DeSantis is not going to New Hampshire, but into South Carolina and Super Tuesday, DeSantis won't be going away anytime soon. So there won't be that opportunity for the anti-Trump uh, vote to sort of coalesce behind Nikki Haley. And I got to tell you, uh, Donald Trump has got to be looking at his hand over this morning going, uh, I didn't do that on purpose. I, I didn't have that extra 2,000 people vote for DeSantis. But if I did, um, I would have been a genius. So. Well, you called it that you said that you thought DeSantis would come in second yesterday when we had this conversation. And were you surprised by the fact that he didn't overperform more, given that he did have the same crew uh, working that, that, that helped Ted Cruz back in 2016? You know, there's going to be all sorts of folks, not, not second guessing, but sort of trying to break down and, and looking to read the tea leaves as to why certain people didn't do as well as they were supposed to or why they didn't do better than they were supposed to. or uh, And on DeSantis, you know, I got to think that uh, that early call might have made a difference, that, you know, maybe he gets an extra two or three points. Maybe Nikki Haley does a little bit better. You know, if you're if you're a Ron DeSantis person uh, and you're waiting in line at 730 and 30 degree below windshield and you hear that Donald Trump has already been declared the winner, might you go home? Yeah, um, I, I certainly think that has an impact on the race. I was very disappointed with that, as a lot of folks were, to have um, have the major networks, I think it was the Associated Press, Fox, et cetera, call the race as early as they did. Again, the, the, the issue was not whether or not Donald Trump was ever going to win. I mean, you could have called the race on, on Friday for that. <laughs> the issue was whether or not, you know, what second or third, but to sort of try and or have the impact of maybe, maybe um, depressing turnout a little bit. Only about 110,000 people voted, which is really, really low. There's a variety of reasons for that, but you got to wonder if the media didn't play a role in it. Okay, so another big story last night. Ramaswamy is out. And so I will stick to the truth tonight. The first hard truth, and this one's hard for me. i got to admit this. But we've looked at it every which way, and I think it is true that we did not achieve the surprise that we wanted to deliver tonight. And I think that that's just a hard fact that we're going to have to accept as a campaign. And the question then is, what do we do that is right for our country? And so Porv and I, we, we actually didn't make this contingency plan before everybody told us to. We said, no, we're not doing that. But we talked about it tonight. We took a little bit of time in our apartment in Des Moines before coming here to make some hard choices. And I wanted to make a couple of announcements tonight to get the business out of the way. And then I want to tell you where we're going. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for 
me to be the next president, absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. And he went on to say that he wholeheartedly endorses President Trump and will do everything he can to help Trump get elected. Uh, Were you did you have Ramaswamy uh, ending his campaign on your bingo card last night? Uh, Yeah, I did. In fact, we had Ramaswamy on the Hill television program last night. Uh, with a live interview uh, about, I guess it was a problem about 5.30. And we got a chance to ask him, you know, um, if you lose tonight, are you dropping out? He goes, absolutely not. We're going on. We're going on to New Hampshire, going to South Carolina. We sort of had that, I was waiting for that Howard Dean yell at the end. Um, and, and as soon as he dropped off the interview, we all looked at each other on the panel and said, there's no way this guy's sticking around. So, um, wait, 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 hang on, hang on one second. You ask for it, you get it. <laughs> So, yeah, listen, I, I enjoyed Vic's campaign. Um, he, he was fun to watch. He had some wonderful takedowns of some of the media, especially. Clearly a, 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 a gifted orator. And face it, this is somebody that nobody knew about uh, ever who just got, you know, 8% um, in the Iowa caucuses, which is 8% more than you or I got. So it, it, it's, it's an accomplishment. There's no question. But no one's surprised he's dropping out. No one's surprised that he's, he's endorsing Donald Trump. I think he was really... We asked him last night on the TV program if he if he saw that attack from Trump coming, and he tried to blame it on staffers and so forth. But I think that that sent a message from the Trump team, including from Trump himself, that Vivek, you're taking votes away from us and only us. Um, you need to get out of the way, and uh, we'll have to talk to you about the cabinet position later on. But it's time for you to go. That was the, that was a veiled message in that uh, tweet over the uh, over the weekend. So you basically just said it there. You believe that the that the Vivek's supporters will all go toward Donald Trump. That they don't uh, splinter off and maybe maybe support somebody like DeSantis. No, I think the polling actually backs that up. Again, we've done some decent uh, polling at News Nation. You did drill down into the details and you start asking people about their favorite second choice and so forth. Boring questions that only sort of commentators pay attention to. And the overwhelming majority of Vivek's supporters will now go on to Trump. Maybe a couple to DeSantis, very, very few to Haley. Um, so, again, we come back to the larger picture. You know, if, if DeSantis finishes third, it's, a, it's effectively a Trump uh, versus Haley race, all of the VEC supporters probably go to Trump. Maybe a good chunk of the DeSantis supporters go to Haley. Maybe they split. You never know. Um, but at least it, it, the, the race starts to sort of uh, the, the lanes get a lot clearer, and that's not going to happen now. You're going to continue to have a three-way race, and while Donald Trump is polling above 50 percent, which is fantastic, he doesn't have to do 50 percent um, because a lot of these states coming up are winner-take-all. So even if you know 35 or 40 percent, which clearly he's exceeding right now. Um, he's going to be the nominee. So I want to make sure that you guys heard what Mick Mulvaney said early on. And this was the fascinating part. See if you remember this. He said, had DeSantis come in third, he would have dropped out of the race. And why is that a big deal? Because think about it. Trump only got 51% of the vote. He's going to get most of Ramaswamy's votes. So let's say he gets all that. But you know what? That starts making it a lot closer because everyone else is going to be voting for, let's say, Nikki Haley had she come in second. So now, yeah, it might be a wide margin, but it's going to be a lot closer in New Hampshire. And, you know, it's going to be a lot closer in South Carolina. Nikki Haley could even win South Carolina had DeSantis and Ramaswamy dropped out. Ramaswamy dropped out. Had DeSantis come in third, just, what, a half a percentage point? A percentage point, he beat Nikki Haley, and by coming in second, he's staying in, which means he's going to stay in until Super Tuesday, which means 
all the anti-Trump vote, which is about 50%, they're going to split it, and they're going to continue to split it. And they're not going to catch Trump. That's just the way it is. And when he said that, he goes, had by just one percentage point, that changed the entire primary election for the Republicans. If Nikki Haley comes in second, DeSantis is out, and now it's a two-horse race. But now you still have a three-horse race, and two of the horses are splitting the feed. And one horse is eating up all that he can and getting the lion's share because the other two are splitting, splitting everything else. So I find that fascinating. I love things like that in terms of breaking things down and analyzing things. All right, so when we come back, I got a story about, a couple of stories about some dogs, actually. And I think it's really, really fascinating. And they're, one's a sad story and one's a great story. So we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110 and Brett underscore Jensen is my ex account. All right, so I got this uh, got this story I want you to hear about a canine in Gastonia. It's a police canine, and it's uh, it's a really cool story. I mean, it's it's one of those things where we all know about canine stories. We all we I mean we all hear about you know the police and the canines and all that, but this one's actually kind of cool and. They actually answered a question that I was asking myself earlier today in the middle of this piece and see if you know, can figure out what the question that I had internally was that they answered. This is a report from WBTV. A Gastonia police officer has now helped out with five cases just in his few, for, few first months of service. We're talking about canine officer Bo the Bloodhound. His most recent case was just Sunday as he tracked down a missing man. And our Erica Lunsford joins us now live from Gastonia Police Department with more on his case. Erica. Siobhan, David Rowland, Sergeant David Rowland, here at the Gastonia Police Department, works closely with Bo the Bloodhound. He says Bo's sense of smell is one of the best. And the way he described it is, imagine, you know, me and you, we smell pizza, we smell pizza. But Bo is able to sniff out each individual ingredient of that pizza. Hey, buddy, you know, come out. You want to say hey? At just 10 months old and only four months on the job, Bo, the bloodhound, is a rookie on the Gastonia police force, but he's already cracking cases. So in total, Bo's been on five tracks and he has located four subjects. 
Sergeant David Rowland with the police department is Bo's partner. He says his canine co-worker has about 300 million olfactory receptors, giving him a strong sense of smell, allowing Bo to sniff scents up to 12 days old. He, is, he has the most powerful sniffer in the canine world. Uh, basically, the only one that beats him out in the animal kingdom is the bear. So Bo's innate ability to smell individual odors is by far the best in the industry. Bo started training with the Gastonia Police Department when he was 10 weeks old. And since then, his nose has helped track down two robbery suspects and missing people like this man, Thomas Lowry, who is a diabetic with a history of seizures. Roland says Bo found Lowry within an hour. Uh, six hours had passed since the gentleman had left the facility around 1 a.m. Uh, we got his pillowcases and a blanket and uh, put Bo on it. And next thing we know, Bo's tracked a mile down the road. And we tracked the food line where we located Mr. Lowry, safe and sound. Roland shared how important Bo is not only to the force, but to helping the community. Especially in an urban environment, tracks that are usually over an hour too old is outside that capability of a German Shepherd, a Belgian Malinois. Now, Bo is one of seven canine officers here at the Gastonia Police Department, but he is the only bloodhound. Reporting from Gastonia, Erica Lunsford, WBTV on your side. A good boy doing a good job. Erica, thank you. Now at 11 o'clock, Charlotte Couple. So, that, I find that pretty interesting. I mean, that's a whole interesting thing about the canine. Now, did you notice the one thing that they said that I did not... Uh, that, that I had a question about that they answered because they use so many different types of dogs in canine units, a lot of times German Shepherds, and then they got the bomb sniffing dogs and all that other stuff. I didn't, I was like, oh, I wonder which dog has the stronger nose or if they're the same. You know, they use a lot of labs, they use, you know, German Shepherds, all that stuff. And they said that the Bloodhound has the strongest nose in the animal kingdom, except for a bear. And I was like, only a bear has a stronger nose. And I did not know bloodhounds had the strongest nose because you see all these other dogs that are constantly being used now. So uh, that was pretty cool. But when we come back, I got another dog story that's a nightmare. And I want you guys to hear this on purpose, almost like as a public service announcement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord uh, mr winnable that's in your honor big boy there you go yeah um all right so let me uh let me uh get into something else i want to get into the other dog story and this is something that i like to do i mean i don't like to do this but i think i need to do this and it's because if you guys have listened to my show with any regularity or heard me on these airways over the last five and a half years with any regularity, a lot of you know about my dog. Her name's Maggie. What, 14 months ago, I thought I was about to lose her. And here we are 14 months later, and she's still kicking and going straight, and we're going to physical therapy, and we just got her blood work back the other day. As a matter of fact, yesterday, everything's looking good. And... She's 14 and a half, and she'll be 15 uh, in May, 
and golden retrievers don't live to be 15 years old by and large. Their average life is about 11 and a half years old. So Maggie's still kicking it. So you guys know a lot about me and my dog Mags. You know, I brought her to the Christmas uh, bike drive. I was going to bring her this year, just completely forgot like an idiot. But I did bring her last year. So um, I want you to, I'm not going to give you any indication of what this story is about. But this happened here in Charlotte, in this area. And I want you to hear this story because it, it's, it's sad. And you can't be too careful when it comes to your dog, especially dogs that are designer dogs. And this one was a $2,000 or $3,000 French Bulldog. So I want you to hear the story from WBTV. Answers after they say a DoorDash driver stole their dog right out of their front yard. They've tried contacting police and the company, but so far, no luck. Our Jason Bucket is live at the house where this happened with more on the story. Jason. When Sean and Sharice first came out Friday night and noticed that the severe storms had knocked over this portion of their fence and that their dog was loose, they did what anyone might in that circumstance. They started searching the neighborhood and printing up flyers to put out. But when they searched their security camera, they saw something terrifying. Our backyard is normally enclosed, but with the storm on Friday, we just had no idea that our fence had fallen. Around 11.30 p.m. Friday night, Sharice Thomas' husband, Sean, had let their dog blew out before bed, but he didn't come back when called. I went outside to walk the whole yard and saw the fence was down, and my daughter started crying. Sean immediately hopped in his car and drove the whole neighborhood calling for Blue. Meanwhile, his wife looked at their security footage and saw this. There's Blue in the front yard. Then this car pulls up next to him. You can see from a neighbor's camera, the lights inside the car turn on. And when that car left, Blue wasn't in the yard anymore. Their neighbors didn't want to speak on camera, but they told us that they ordered DoorDash and that the driver had asked them if the dog was theirs. They said no, that it belonged to Sharice and Sean. Then that video happened. It's rough. Uh, it's hard to, you know, how do you hold that in? Um, and my daughter's crying every day, all day, every day, since Friday night. Saturday morning, they reached out to DoorDash and CMPD. Uh, they have everything on camera, called DoorDash. It happened Friday. It's now Monday. CMPD did come gather the footage, but so far, no leads. Right now, the family just wants one thing. I want my dog back. I mean, getting another dog is not the answer. Everybody says, oh, just get another dog. That's not, that's not how it works. Um, my daughter has a bond with this dog. I got him when he was literally six weeks old. Had him his whole life. He's, you know, part of the family. Now, DoorDash, we reached out to them as well on behalf of the family. They told us they are urgently investigating this. They weren't aware of the situation and are actively looking into it right now. As we mentioned, CMPD also investigating. They did say anyone with any ideas or tips who might have seen Blue or have any idea of what had gone down here to please give a call in to Crime Stoppers. For now, here live in Northeast Charlotte, I'm Jason Puckett, WBTV News on your side. Yeah, you get it, right? If it's your dog, you want your dog back, uh, not someone else's. Hopefully Blue comes home soon. Mm -hmm. Jason, thank you. So think about that. You don't know that a, it's a slat wooden fence. You don't, and it looked relatively new, but the, a little portion, like maybe a five-foot portion of the fence blew over in the storms. You don't realize that because it's on the side of the house or whatever. You let your dog out at night, and what happens? 
dog wanders to the front yard, and then a DoorDash driver who's delivering food to another one allegedly or it was accused of dog napping. And so it's a, it's a horrible thing, and you've got DoorDash like now trying to like get in on this ASAP. But think about that. I mean, let's say you've had your dog for three years, two years, one year, six years, eight years, or in my case, 14 and a half years with Mags. I mean, I got her five days after I moved to Charlotte, and we've, I've had her for 14 and a half years. So it is a... Uh, it's a horrible situation, and obviously they should be able to find out really quickly who that uh, who the DoorDash driver was. Here's the problem. By the time CMPD, God knows how long that'll take, or DoorDash come up with answers, will that person have already sold the dog? Will that person have the... Here's the thing. You're, uh, you're the DoorDash driver. And then you're seeing this on television or you're hearing about it on television that like, what are you going to do? Either try and sell the dog or you're going to try and take it back in the middle of the night and drop it off where no one can see your license plates, you know, and recognize what kind of car you have. Like, I, I don't know. But that's uh, that always makes me think we know that we can put chips in dogs that ID dogs. You know, vets can ID a dog if it doesn't have a collar with its, you know, address and all that stuff with a chip. At some point, you would think, and I, it may be a thing. I know you can do it with the collars, but collars are easily removable. And I'm talking about, like, uh, air tags, GPS findings. But it seems to me at some point, if it hasn't already started, that you'd be able to do a chip inside of a dog. And maybe you can you know, Maggie was more of an indoor dog, and she was never outside without me being with her. But it feels like if you've got a GPS, almost like an air tag, and you have a location of your dog at all times, even if it ran away into the woods, you would be able to find it immediately. Just, okay, if I go down this street and that street and whatever, my dog's going to be down there. Because I had a dog run away when I was a kid. It, 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 that sucks. So, anyways, I, I just, things like this are horrible. And here's the thing. Even if that DoorDash driver stole the dog, you'd be able to track the dog. And even if the DoorDash driver tried to sell the dog to someone else, you'd still be able to track to where the damn dog is if there's an internal chip. Like an internal little mi minor GPS chip about the size of your fingernail. And I don't know if that's possible. Maybe it is. Obviously, they have collars for that stuff. But, again... You don't think collars are easily removable? Like, real easy. So, uh, anyway, that's a really horrible situation, and I hope they get their dog back. But that's, uh, that's my little lesson to you is, like, always know where your dog is. Always. Now, I know the family thought that it was in the backyard. I get it. But this is what happens, and that's why I, I just, like, Maggie's never been out of my sight. And more importantly... I've never been out of hers because I don't have to put Maggie in a leash and she won't go anywhere where she can't see me. And maybe that's just the golden, golden retriever trait. But yeah, she won't go anywhere where she can't see me. She panics if she can't see me. All right, when we come back, let's wrap up the night before we get into a few other things. And like I said, make sure you join me on Thursday and Friday because I've got a very special show each night that you're definitely going to want to listen to. 
All right, everyone. So until next segment, I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Tuesday night. Going to be a cold Tuesday night. It's already 31 degrees and it's not even 8 o'clock. And it's supposed to be getting down to like, I don't know, around 16 or so tonight. And because of that, I want to give these updates real quick. Ash County Schools are virtual learning on Wednesday. Avery County Schools are closed. Lee's McRae opening two hours late. And Wilkes County Schools delayed two hours as well. Now, I know that's not necessarily here, but believe it or not, you can actually pick up our station at night, clear as a bell, all over the state, all over the southeast, all over the eastern seaboard, as they like to say, from Canada to Cuba, WBT. So, but with that said, talking about dogs, bring your animals in. It's going to be brutally cold tonight. It's going to get down to, like I said, about 16 or so, I think, and the wind chill is going to be even worse. But I want you to hear real quick just how bad it's going to be tonight. And this is pretty important. So here's the quick, well, the latest uh, weather forecast. And it's snowing there right now. I mean, look at that. You can see the flurries in the skies. Meteorologist Lisa Villegas joining us. Uh, snow in the area for sure. Yeah. Lisa. No snow in the Charlotte area, though, no. but boy, it's going to be cold, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to feel like it, that's for sure. I mean, if we only had a little precipitation, it would be perfect. But I'll tell you what, temperatures, they are continuing to drop. And that's where I want to start right now because this is going to be a big story and what we can expect later on tonight. In fact, currently, nothing popping up in Boone, but expect those temperatures to continue to fall. I mean, we're talking about teens like Jefferson, and we're also looking at temperatures hovering just in the lower 40s over in Charlotte. Only reached highs in those mid 40s this afternoon. Freezing over in Hickory, and those temperatures are going to continue to plummet later on tonight quickly. So get ready, bundle up if you're making any kinds of plans here in the next couple of hours or just tomorrow morning. We'll talk about those overnight lows, but more importantly, Windchill advisory. This is going to be in effect until 12 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. We're talking about wind chills, what it feels like outside, possibly as low as negative 20. Again, that's what it's going to feel like when you head out the door, probably overnight. So it already feels pretty, pretty chilly in the area. And that's just because we added those wind speeds. So as we fast forward tomorrow morning around 7 o'clock, gusts still up to around 25 miles per hour will be possible. The rest of us, notice how, the, how those wind speeds really start to relax. Well, that will allow for that temperature to just plummet. We're also expecting clear skies, so already starting to see that clearing taking place right now. When we wake up tomorrow morning, take a look at that. Right around 18 degrees over in Charlotte. We're looking at around 14 degrees. Morgantown right along parts of the foothills. I mean, it is going to be frigid. Rockingham, Chesterfield, usually when it's a little bit warmer, just around 19 degrees. So cold, well below freezing for all of us. We've seen colder, but it's been a little over a year since we've seen these numbers, so it's been quite a while. And then add in the wind factor for that tomorrow morning 
Probably still feeling like the teens for most of us across our viewing area, but take a look at this. Boone potentially feeling like negative 17 degrees. Jefferson negative 12. Again, just watching for those wind speeds. So really cold. And then all of that snow that we saw in those higher elevations, now it's going to really get icy. So please just use some caution if you're going to be out and about in those higher elevations. Now, for tomorrow afternoon, temperatures, they do eventually rebound, but we're only talking about highs in the lower 40s here in Charlotte, which means the majority of the day will be spent in the 30s. You're going to want to bundle up not only tomorrow morning, but you're going to need all the gear throughout the day. It's pretty much going to be the trend throughout the rest of the week. Just taking a look at those overnight lows, especially because this is going to be the big story. 18 degrees tomorrow morning. We're looking at 21 Thursday. This first alert really setting the tone for the week by the weekend, getting ready for those morning temperatures around 18 degrees Saturday, 16 on Sunday, and then maybe even a little bit of that precipitation right now beginning to clear out in our area along with that cloud cover like we talked about. But take a look at Friday, 20% chance of maybe those isolated showers, cold rain Saturday. That's a high temperature, not our overnight lows. I mean, we're talking about a high of only 34 degrees. Soak that in. So as we take a look at the seven day forecast, giving you some time to absorb. Well, Overnight lows like we talked about in the teens tomorrow morning. First alert in place until we begin to warm up a little more sunshine. And that's what I'm looking forward to. At least the sun will be out. It'll just be very cold. Bundle up and you're going to have pretty much a similar forecast as we had into the weekend with highs in the 30s and the 40s. Lisa, thank you. Next at five, Wells. So there you go. I mean, it's uh, it's a pretty going to be a pretty, pretty cold, cold night. And also brutally cold over the weekend, getting down low 16 degrees, as you saw on Sunday, 18 degrees Saturday, you know, 16 to 18 degrees tonight. You're going to have wind chill in the morning. It's just going to be brutal. And so it's about that time, and I've never made it, and I've been wanting to make it. So I make, you know, you, I, you guys know uh, maybe that I love to cook, and that I brought Beth Troutman last year some a thing of black bean soup and she said it's one of the best things that she's ever had so I make some homemade black bean soup it's about time to do that but one thing that I've never cooked that I've been looking at and looking at and looking at it's like okay am I going to do this am I really going to put the time and effort into doing something with the risk of just jacking it up completely and ruining it and I don't want to do that after spending three or four or five hours doing it but it's about time maybe that I try to cook some actual chili I've never made it and I've looked at like many, many, many different rest or de recipes and tons of YouTube stuff from, from the people down in Texas to Southern people to actual like hardcore chefs, like real professional chefs, like everyone. And I generally don't go to the chefs. I'll go to the people that, you know, compete in all these chili contests all over the country. I'll look at their recipes and watch their videos and see how they do things. But it's just a matter of, all right, do I really want to spend four hours trying to cook chili? I love chili. absolutely adore it. But it's just a whole thing. And I don't know if I want to spend that much time actually just because if I jack it up and screw it up, I will be so pissed off that I spent all that time that I probably won't do. It's one thing if you screw up something simple and you just start all over. If, if maybe it takes like 45 minutes to cook, you screw something up that takes four hours to cook or three hours to cook. The odds of you wanting to cook that again are 0, 0.0.
So if you're uh, looking to get some inspiration from uh, these chili cook-off guys, Brett Winterbolt was telling us earlier he's going to be down at a uh, chili cook-off, I think as a judge, maybe, mm. uh, down in Fort Mill uh, this weekend. So maybe you can pop on down there, join him, and get some uh, get some recipes, some tips. Well, and I've been a judge at, 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 at Charlotte had, like, their largest chili contest, and I was a judge for many years. It was always me, J.J. Jansen, uh, the long snapper for the Panthers, one of the most prominent lawyers in Charlotte, Ron Rivera, his wife, Mike Jeminski. We were all judges, and you would have all these restaurants from all over Mecklenburg County do it, and they would have different categories. They would have vegan chili. Yeah, no, thank you. And then they would have white chili, which I'd never heard of. Eh, eh. Then they would have beanless chili, which is Texas chili. It's my kind of chili. And then they would have the beans and the meat, which is what I prefer. So they had like four different categories that you could do. And then they even broke that down by restaurant or homemaker. You know, so they broke it down. So they had, so you weren't competing against restaurants. And I kept swearing that like one of these days, I'm going to go buy a buttload of Wendy's chili and, and submit it. Because Wendy's chili is so good. And you can actually buy it now. Like, you can go in the grocery stores and buy it now at Harris Teeter. And I love some Wendy's chili. As a matter of fact, I might get some on the way home tonight. All right, so that's going to do it for us tonight. But, I, again, I want everyone to understand. Thursday night, Friday night, you need to listen. And if you can't listen live, that's what WBT.com is for. And you can always go back because the shows are always posted within an hour, usually within 30 minutes of the show being over. So, again, big show coming up Thursday night, big show coming up Friday nights. I can't say it yet, quite yet what it is, but just putting that out there for you guys. All right, everyone, stay warm. Keep your animals inside, and we'll do this all over again tomorrow. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.